TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome into the two guys and a mic show here on, as advertised, thetalkzone.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Beautiful midweek Wednesday hump day, if you will, here on the two guys and a mic show. We hope everybody out there having a great start to your day. Nothing greater than to start with a good cup of coffee, by the way. The cup of coffee today that I'm drinking, particularly outstanding. I like it strong. Very nicely done. Whoever made the cup of coffee, thank you very much. We got lots to talk about here in the world of sports. We can start to preview a little bit. The uh, football weekend coming up. It's a little bit early. We don't want to peak too soon, as we shall say in previewing, but we can take a sneak peek. Some good college football NFL games coming up this weekend. Baseball playoffs. Two games yesterday. Two more today, and we are close. We're getting close to having our World Series compatriots for this particular season, our Chicago Cubs here in the fine city of Chicago. They have named their manager. We'll talk about that. We'll jump off the sports page as well. A little NHL, NBA, maybe even sneak into some college hoops. I don't know how we're all going to do it in a one-hour program or to be more exact, 56 minutes and 32 seconds. But we will attempt. And let me be brave in the attempt. That's all that we can ask. 888-463-6748. If you want to be brave with us and uh, jump into the Sports Talk Wars here, you're more than welcome to do so. We are user-friendly on this particular show. You know that when you call in. You don't have to wait 15, 20 minutes. We'll get you right on. You make your comments. One of our mottos on this show is don't be nervous about calling because there's not that many people listening. 888-463-6748. We're hoping to be joined by the big dog, David Olson, on the other side of the glass, producer extraordinaire. And uh, we do want to thank Neil No Stones Malones, who filled in for me at a little appointment downtown yesterday, could not make the show. I want to thank No Stones Malones for uh, coming in, doing a great job co-hosting. We had, what, uh, David, uh, David Kaplan came on, a legend in his own mind. David Kaplan, very, very good WGN uh, sports guy. Does a little bit of announcing, does some of their sports reporting, Cubs pre and post. He's a big shooter. We don't often get big shooters on our show, so thank you to David Kaplan for taking a few minutes. I know the big dog joined the show as well. Big news here in Chicago. We'll start off with it. Any Cub fans want to comment on it? Maybe we got some White Sox fans that want to make a comment. White Sox fans are always, it's amazing, very happy to comment on the fortunes or misfortunes of the Chicago Cubs sometimes. And they've been criticized about this, rightly or wrongly. Sometimes the White Sox fans uh, get criticized a little bit for, for being too concerned about the Cubs and, and taking more pride in the negativity on the Cub than they are on their own team, the Chicago White Sox. I have a tough perspective on that because I root for both teams. So it's a little bit hard, but the bottom line is the Chicago Cubs finally named their manager, and uh, it's the guy who was managing the team the last six weeks of the season, Mike Quade. And, David, you'll be the first, I think, to um, back me up on this that, of the guys that were early on the Mike Quade bandwagon, I might have been riding that sucker. You were on like day two. <laughs> you were on that bandwagon when he when he started off with what a three game win streak. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah you were you you were like yeah. It was like right. yeah, win number two or number three. Yeah, I, I would I 
<laughs> I don't think anybody was on the Mike Quade bandwagon yeah. before you coached. I think I was on before uh, Marcia Quade. Mrs. Quade, of 27 years, she questioned her husband's managerial ability. Then after a week when he went 5-2, and two, I think Marcia said, you know what, I think he can do the job. So she might be riding uh, co-pilot with me in, in, in the Quade bandwagon, but you are predicting that uh, potentially I might be jumping off that bandwagon at some point down the road. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't get this higher. I really don't. I, I mean, I, I, I don't. Well, it's cheap. It's cheap, and I think the <laughs> fact that, you know, for the next couple of years with the uh, these deadweight contracts that the Cubs have mm-hmm. with Alfonso Soriano and Fukudome and and so on and so forth. Carlos I mean, Zambrano. And Zambrano. I don't think they're going to do anything until they can unload those contracts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you're setting this guy up to be, I wouldn't say a fall guy, but, you know, he, he's going to he's gonna lead you through the mediocrity. Every season's different. Every season's different. So the people are going to tell me about Mike Quada, you know, for a couple of years, we'll see how things are going. If it's not going good, then we'll bring Ryan Sandberg in to turn the program around. Every season in professional sports is different. Nobody's out of it. Nobody's that. Things can completely turn around. It didn't used to be that way, but I think in in the uh, today's panorama of professional sports, I think teams can in one year completely turn it around. You don't have to have like rebuilding programs of six, seven, eight, nine years. Now it's good. I'm not saying don't use the farm system, and I'm definitely, definitely not implying you bring in a bunch of overpaid millionaires and try to turn your program around. That's not what I'm implying at all. But we've seen it in basketball, hockey, football, baseball, just about every sport. Things can turn around in a year. So in professional sports, I'm not a big fan right now of you know the whole rebuilding program. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Dave. I think the Cubs can catch the magic this year. I agree with you. A big negative is the uh, contracts of guys you'd like to get rid of. It's one of the things I hate about professional sports, the whole financial aspect. But you do got guys like Kosuke Fukudome, Alfonso Soriano, Carlos Zambrano. Now, Zambrano looked pretty good under Mike Quade. Last eight, nine games. I know a lot of the skeptics out there are going to say, and they may be right, nothing was riding on it, the pressure was off, it was the end of the season. Ladies and gentlemen, skeptic number one, producer David Olson. Zimbrano's a cancer in that clubhouse. He is. I'm sorry, he is. And, yeah. and Big Dog, I think you'd agree with me on that. Skeptic number two, oh. Joel Redwanski. Yep. Hey! Yep. Coach, what has been my biggest pet peeve about Carlos Zimbrano? It wasn't it, – it, it, my biggest pet peeve, number one, is the fact that he yells at teammates when they make mistakes. Ladies I mean, and gentlemen, the Big Dog, Joel Redwanski, has joined the show. The Big Dog is in the house. How are you, Dog? I'm doing well, Coach. One of my doing pet well. peeves is when, when we don't give you your proper introduction. A man of your stature should not only make comments of wisdom, but you deserve each and every day, quite frankly, a proper introduction. You've you've reached that status. I, I appreciate that, Coach. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a can Well, you know, modern science is getting better with cancer. One of the theories, I'm going to throw this out at David Olson and you here, calling Carlos Zambrano a cancer. He's had problems. One of the theories now, and I just got through reading a book, is that when you have cancer, Big Dog, the people that are most successful at fighting it is they accept their cancer. They welcome the cancer, and they look at it as part of their body, and they deal with it. They don't fight it, but they accept that they've got it, and they welcome it. Maybe that's what we need to do with the new ace of the Cubs staff, Carlos, the revitalized Carlos Zambrano. 
they they welcome it. Yes. Oh, so they're like, oh, okay, this is the guy that's gonna bitch and moan all year long, and if uh, if I make a like a make an error on a ground ball, he's gonna yell at me on the mound, and it's okay because Pe- it's Carlos Zambrano, yeah. who makes eighteen million dollars yeah. a year and isn't exactly perfect either. Not okay. With you right there. Never okay to criticize teammates. Not a big fan of that. Yes, David. And some would argue a more successful way to uh, fight a cancer is to cut it out of the body and irradiate all traces of it. <laughs> Stop beating around the bush and tell us how you really feel. They should have got rid of this guy three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And, and, and you know what the thing was? If you remember, Coach, uh, five, six years <laughs> ago, I loved Carlos Zambrano. Yep. He was the one guy that I loved. You know, he was fiery and. And he threw sinkers, and he, he battled them. You know, after a while, it, it's just gotten so old. Yep. You know, you, you can go from fire to just be a pain in the ass. Yeah. It, who well, knows? Maybe the anger management classes did help. That, that's the only – because he's going to be a Cub next year because with eight, at $18 million a year, you're not going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll be the eternal optimist, and I'll save the anger. Hopefully the anger management classes help. All right, the topic at hand, uh, whose anger management, uh, yours or Zambrano's? Because I know you've had some – Issues in the past. You and a brick wall have, have met, and the brick wall is one. I've, I've had anger management issues. That's what I need. I need to actually get more angry, and I oh, think I'll accomplish okay. more in life. So your anger management situation is you, you're not angered enough. Yes, that's my problem. I need to get more fired up. Interesting. Reverse the curse, if you will. Maybe you and Carlos can meet somewhere in the middle and have a great time. Today's show is not on Carlos Zambrano, Big Dove. We want to open it up with the uh, new manager of the team that you are so passionate for, fans that are new listening to the show. There are very few people I've ever met, Chicago area otherwise, that are more passionate about their Chicago Cubs than the Big Dog. I want to get your thoughts on the naming of uh, Mike Quata as your brand-new manager of your Chicago Cubs. Coach, I'm fine with it. And, you know, I knew we weren't getting Girardi. Joe Torre wasn't coming over here. I didn't want Freddie Gonzalez. Luckily, all those guys have jobs. But, you know, this whole Quaddy thing, uh, I, okay, I'm I'm going to be happy with it. He, what was, How long was the contract, Coach? Is it two years? Two three years. years? Two years. Two years. That's a good length. If it doesn't work out this year, the Cubs can eat the contract. I'm sure the Ricketts family will finally get a merit trade on board. Have it go, have it, you know, start making some money so that way we can just start throwing money at people. <laughs> I'm all for the Ricketts family, by the way, saying, and I appreciate the fact that they've come out in public. They haven't exactly, you know, positively announced it, but they, they have not backed away from saying we're going to probably spend less next year. I got no problem with that at all. And I'm going to take your uh, uh, pleasantries on my quad and go a step further. I'm excited about it. I like the uh, higher, uh, the older I get, Big Dog, the more I like to root for good guys. Mike Quade is a good guy. He's done his time. He's a nice guy. Grew up, grew up as a Chicago Cub fan, and all beyond all the nice guy stuff, he knows his baseball. He can apparently, we'll find out for sure. But you know, he appears to be pretty good working with players, and technically, with the bits and pieces, the X and O's of the games, pretty damn good. You put those together, I'm excited about the hire. And the players respect him. Yes. It, it, it's pretty sad because, you know, you, you figure every guy gets getting a paycheck should respect his boss. But, you know, it, it, at least they respect him, and, and that's important. And hopefully good things will happen next year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not upset with the hire. I'm not ecstatic over it. But uh, you know, I guess he was the best guy available for the job right now. Mm-hmm. And the only disappointing thing about it is I do feel bad for Ryan Sandberg, a guy uh, you know who certainly put his dues in and is ready to be a manager, another guy obviously that was a – Chicago Cub and grew up, where did he grow up, in the uh, Peoria area? No, Spokane, Washington. Oh, okay, that's right. 
That's and right. Joe Girardi grew up in yeah, Peoria. Yeah, right. that's who I'm confusing. But uh, I do feel bad for Sandberg. Hopefully he'll stay with the organization. Sounds like he might go elsewhere to be manager. That's the one negative of it. I feel bad for Rhino. But Mike Quade, uh, your guy, Jim Henry, making the announcement. Any Cub fans out there, you want to comment on it? 888-463-6748. Big Dog, you know I was on early on the Mike Quade bandwagon. And for a while I was riding alone. But now yeah, you're yeah. now you're joining me at least in the back seat. Well, uh, you know, I'm not sitting there and saying, oh, the Cubs are about to win the World Series next year. But mm-hmm. hopefully they won't be rudderless, if you know what I'm talking about. Coach. They're, they're going to be better off than what they were with Lupatella, mm-hmm. who, who showed up for work with his shirt untuck, unshaven, and, and reeking of gin. <laughs> oh, goodness. Beautiful description. Beautiful description of the Uncle Lou era. Isn't it? I always hate that when I hear players – Happens in, let's, let's say, football, for instance. And you hear, like, let's say this year, you know, oh, their offense is much better last year. Or I'll give you a specific, like Illinois is fighting a lineup. You listen to the defensive players now. Well, last year with the two coordinators, it was kind of disorganized. We didn't know who was in charge. The practices were hard. This year is so much. And then they start talking positively about this year. It's so much better. They're complimenting their coaches. They don't even mean so much to insult last year. But I'm thinking as they're saying that, well, what the hell? You got fans paying 80 bucks for tickets. We're watching all these games. We're living through an Illinois fighting Illini season. This is just an example. And we had incompetent people running the program. Same thing could be said for the Cubs for the first 120 games. Inexcusable. I mean, I like the fact that we're better now, but why were we doing things insufficiently, ineffectively for the previous period of time, if you know what I mean? Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And the Illinois, uh, the Illinois example was is, yeah. is a perfect one. Yeah. And I, I don't know that dual defensive coordinators were absolutely moronic. It was like uh, it was like when uh, back in the when the Romans would uh, change their emperor every other day. Mm-hmm. You know that didn't work out very well for them at the time either. So <laughs> maybe the Romans and Cub management should get together and see if they could figure out a successful program because it hasn't worked for either of them quite frankly well that's that, 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 what's funny you say that because the last time uh the cubs actually won a world series uh the roman empire was still around <laughs> oh goodness mike quade by the way i think i read it, it bald since the age of 12 if i got that correct he went to prospect high school about a 25-minute jaunt from our particular studio here. Grew up in the area, Big Dog, but I think he was bald since age 12. You know what? Looking at your picture and seeing you recently, if you were to lose a little weight and age about 20 years, you could be the second coming of Mike Quade. Lose a little weight? I'm yeah. not fat. Huh? I'm not fat. Well, I know, but Quade is a little thinner than you. I guess I'm burly. If, particularly in your, in your face, if the cheeks could suck in just a little bit, and you could age like suddenly about 20 years, you and Mike Quade might be, uh, I don't know, check with mom. Maybe she had a brief fling with a minor league manager back in the day. Uh, I doubt it, Coach, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big Dog, uh, great to have you on the show. I don't know if the feeling is mutual. How was the Neil Stone, No Stones Malone's experience yesterday? I appreciate your uh, helping Neil through the muddied waters that is two guys in a mic. Yeah, I just I feel bad for him. You know, having to talk to me for like a half hour. Yeah. But yeah, but Neil, no stones below. He is, yeah, very professional, mm-hmm. getting it done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's a, he's a very serious young man. Yep, big fan of no stones, Malone's. I love mm-hmm. the nickname that we gave him to it. I heard uh, David Kaplan was on yesterday's show. It's outstanding.
Kathy, I need to talk to him, by the way. I should have. I need to ask Neil for his email so I can mm-hmm. send something. Well, all the guests on our show, be it you or Kappa, we're all part of one family, so I'm sure he'll be happy to speak to a family member, no question about it. You out there can be a member of our family by dialing it up, user-friendly sports talk radio here, 888-463-6748, we got Mike Quade being named head of the Cubs, uh, manager of the Chicago Cubs, big dog nationally. Obviously, the big story is... Uh, we creep closer to finding out who's going to be our World Series compatriots here in 2010. And right now, it looks like, as I predicted, by the way, about a month ago, the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers. Wouldn't that be an interesting World Series? That, Coach, you starting to really look that way. I, the Rangers have played almost perfect baseball in the American League Championship Series. Legitimately, what, they've been behind one run. I mean, one inning in the whole entire series. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, in game one when the Yankees made that huge comeback. And you, you figure, oh, they make that huge comeback. Oh, the Rangers' will will be broken. It's the mighty Yankees. They blew a lead. Oh, you know, they won't be able to come back from that. No, they've played even better since that happened, which is, yep. really shows you this is a championship ball club, Coach. Did they knock off Anaheim 3-zip? No, 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 no. They uh, they beat the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays. And all the games, all, the road team won every single game in that series. Okay. All right. I thought you said that the Texas uh, hadn't lost or had only lost one game so far. You're talking about no, no, just... no. They've only trailed in one okay. inning so far in the American League Championship Series, okay. and that was you know gotcha. they, they've dominated the Yankees yep. so far, yep. besides for one inning. Yep. Would you agree with me that the, the single biggest game in all the playoffs so far, and you alluded to it, was Game Two after the Rangers blew the lead? In game one, when they came back and beat the Yankees and beat them handily in game two, that was a statement game, I thought, so far, and it was the biggest game of all the playoffs. Absolutely, Coach. When when you're talking about the New York Yankees, there's so much tradition. There's, and they, When you blow a game like that, everybody's just like, oh, it's over, the Yankees are going to win. You know, But no, they, mentally, they, they were able to you know, stand stout and get it done. And, and all of a sudden, they're 3-1. They're up three to one, and they still have Cliff Lee if they have a, a game seven. I, it's almost impossible right now for the Yankees to win this series. Mm-hmm. The Yankees will have to beat two two pitches, which they can beat, and then oh, in game seven, beat Cliff Lee. Good luck with that. As soon as, soon as they got the three wins, as soon as the Rangers got the three wins, and still had a chance to get Cliff Lee on the mound, that's all they need in the series. That's all they need right now. That guy's. Is the, is the best pitcher right now in the game of baseball because it's the postseason. He has been absolutely amazing, no question about it. Cliff Lee, clutch pitcher, doing his best, and he has in his whole career in the postseason. Texas now up 3-1. to one. They win yesterday 10-3 to three over the Yankees. The star yesterday was Benji Molina. He got the big three-run homer. Big Dong, I knew it was going to be Texas's year when um, in game five of the uh, first round against Tampa Bay when Benji Molina Stole a base. Yeah. <laughs> now, you talk about some of the, the finest moments in sports for the year. When they when they do the 2010 highlight collage, they got to show Benji Molina stole a base because that was – he hadn't done that, what, since 2006? Yes. And even back – I mean, it was and back then it was like the same thing. Like, even the other team was like, he stole a base? Seriously? He ran? The guy needed oxygen when he got the second base. So. <laughs> He's a big man. He is a big – if the Bears are looking for a left guard, if Chris Williams goes down, Benji Molina might be able to do it. He has got a low center of gravity. Oh, good. Well, he, he, is a, he is a squatter coach. Yeah. 
Oh, he had, well, he better be a squatter. He's the catcher. Mm-hmm. He had a big three-run homer yesterday. I think they used five different pitchers. Ron Washington just uh, firing out different guys. Their starter only lasted three innings, and they still win the ball game ten to three. Yankees backs against the wall. Well, you know what? When when Cliff Lee is able to pitch a complete game, and you had a day off before that, you you have the ability to start mixing and matching. And if your starter doesn't have it, then you mm-hmm. can throw in a former starter, Derek Holland, and have him give you three or four innings. It's uh. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really, it really helps your team if you have a, an ace that'll give you eight or nine innings every single time he goes out there, like like Cliff Lee. And it, it puts the Rangers in a position to do whatever they wanted with their pitching staff yesterday. C.J. Wilson going up against C.C. Sabathia in today's matchup. That's a repeat of Game One, which of course uh, the, the Texas, as we mentioned, hit C.C. Sabathia pretty hard, but the Yankees came back and won. So matchup tonight, Texas could. Wrap it up uh, right in front of the Yankee fans, Big Dog. That would add a little insult to injury for Joe Girardi and the boys, huh? The Yankees will win tonight. There it is. Can we take that to the bank? Yes, you can take it to the bank. I'm not saying they're going to win the series. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the Yankees are going to win. It's going to be a seven-game series, Coach. I don't know. If I'm Texas, I don't want to press my luck on Cliff Lee. If the I, Yankees I were down 3-1, they come back and win two, and then they – a Yankee team would welcome the challenge, I think, of going after Cliff Lee. If you're the Rangers, wrap it up while you got the chance. If I'm the Rangers, I want to win this immediately right now, too, so Cliff Lee can pitch Game 1, Game yep. 4, and Game 7 of yep. the World Series. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Coach, I, I just think this is going to end up being a great series. The, the games have been really good so far. That 10-3 to ball game was really good for the first seven innings of the game last night. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I see it being a tight and... Sabathia is going to have a great game. He's going to dominate eventually one of these games this year. And, and, and I'm not knocking the Rangers here or saying they're lucky. But, you know, Josh Hamilton hit two home runs yesterday. Uh, Benji Molina hit a home run, a gigantic three-run homer. Those balls went about 320 feet. They hit them right down the line to the shortest porches in all of baseball. You know, it, it, it's not like the Rangers are absolutely dominating the first four games of this series. They, they've just figured out ways to win. I think the Yankees will, will will make a comeback in the game in Game Five. Their base running has been good as well. MVP potential candidate Josh Hamilton. He was uh, he was brutal in the first series against Tampa Bay. Didn't give him anything, but boy, against the Yankees, he has been uh, red hot. And when your best hitter is hitting, that's a pretty good thing for your ball club. Uh, San Francisco with Philadelphia, big dog. San Francisco wins yesterday. They go up two one, not three to one. But the Giants seem to have the. Uh, Phillies number, Joe Blanton going up against Madison Bumgarner. Not exactly a premier pitching matchup. Might see some hitting tonight, but the Giants have looked awfully good, and they get by game four tonight, big dog, and they got those one, two, three pitchers coming. Philadelphia in a heap of trouble. Yeah, Philadelphia is in a heap of trouble. Talk about a must win. Philadelphia has to beat Madison Bumgarner. I mean, it's because if they don't, there's no way they're beating they're beating uh Lincecombe, Kane, and Sanchez right in a row, not three in a row. It's not going to happen. So this is definitely a must win for the Phillies. And, you know, it's funny is when the Halliday and uh, and Lincecombe pitched in game one. You know, we were thinking, oh, this is going to be a one nothing game. That ends up being four to three. This this the the Blanton yep. Baumgartner game, which everybody thinks is going to end up being like eight to six. This will end up being the one nothing two yeah, to one game. Exactly. And, and I, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, by the way, Ron Sano, for the young listeners out there, tell us a little bit about San Francisco youthful right-hander Madison Bumgarner. 
Uh, well, Pat, uh, it's weird that you actually uh, make a mistake. It's uh, uh, Bumgarner's a lefty. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. He's a, he's a southpaw, Paul Patrick, and uh, he likes to keep the ball down in the zone. Oh, really? Yeah, he likes to get ahead with a first strike fastball. No, likes to get ahead in the count? He likes to get ahead in the count, Shocking. and uh, he likes to keep the hitters off balance. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. You're welcome. So- Tell us about the young right-hander. Well, the first thing is he's a left-hander. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, goodness. I think he's a lefty. I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty sure Bumgarner is a lefty. It but. sounds good for the shtick anyways. 888-463-6748. Baseball fans, you want to check in, talk a little baseball here as October uh, baseball playoffs heating up a little bit. We'll get to some football, NBA, NHL as well. Big dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock the san francisco giant hitters big dog i don't know if that's been their nickname all year long or it's a new one but i heard um the cody rosses of the world the aubrey huffs of the world the pat burrells the um juan uribes as re- you've heard of murderers row obviously with the yankees they're yeah. calling the giants middle of the lineup rejects row that, that pretty much makes sense coach <laughs> cody ross has been the hitting star i i I've you know I've read his name in the paper. I could have looked at ten pictures, and I would have no idea which one was Cody Ross before this playoff started. You know what? I'm with you too. I mean, I know he was a Marlin, and you know he's a he's been you know he's traveled all over baseball. But I mean, don't you need one of these guys every, in order to to get to the World Series and to win yeah. the World Series? You know, you have to have uh, your uh, your stars at least produce well, and then somebody that like a Benji Molina mm-hmm. or a Cody Ross that has no business doing it, be a hitting star. I mean, that's that's, that's exactly what it takes, Coach. Juan Uribe, uh, by the way, the shortstop, he's found the fountain of youth. I've seen him make a couple of plays. Unbelievable. You, you know what? It was. It, it's crazy. In 05 for the White Sox, you can ask David Olson, that hard White Sox fan, he was absolutely mm-hmm. great. For five months of that season, he may have been the best uh, shortstop in the American League. And then all of a sudden, in 06 and 07, he was absolutely abysmal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is about Juan Uribe. He's either one of the best players in the game. And this year, you know, he hit like 285 with 20 home runs, coach, mm-hmm. and he played a very, very, very solid shortstop. I mean, that's good. That's He, he was one of the best shortstops in, in the National League this year. Next year, the the Giants need to get rid of him immediately. They need to trade <laughs> him as soon as the season is over with. Thanks okay. for the World Series, Juan, and we just traded you to a different team. David, you remember, was it not Juan Uribe who made the final out to celebrate the White Sox uh, World Series win? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was very, very solid in the field uh, the mm-hmm. year that they won the championship. Very uh-huh. solid. Mm-hmm. And very he had solid. clutch hit after clutch hit that mm-hmm. season. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always liked his brother, Lenny Uribe who never quite made it to the majors, but I thought Lenny never got the chance he should have, Big Dog. He, he didn't take uh, – he didn't have the same diet as, uh, as Juan Uribe. <laughs> okay. 888-463-6748, the phone number. So uh, not bad for – I don't want to start bragging too soon because I might get egg on my face, dog. But when these playoffs started, I took a little bit of a chance, and I said Texas and Frisco in the series, and I picked Texas to win it all right now. I ain't looking too bad. Yeah, I didn't exactly go too far out on the limb, and I said the Yankees versus the the Phillies mm-hmm. will beat the Yankees in the in the World yep. Series. That's right. exactly that was. We'll so see. I mean, I'm not out of it yet. No, 
but uh, I'm not even rooting for the teams that I picked. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I can really care about being right about those particular predictions. Yeah, you still might hold true. You never know with predictions. Never count your uh, eggs until you've got them in your mouth or you've, you've got them beaten in the batter, shall we say. Uh, by the way, speaking of predictions, Beat the Schmoe is coming up on a football Friday. Our producer, Big Dog, uh, David Olson, three consecutive one and two weeks. You know, I told David, if, if you're going to be bad, I'm tired of the mediocrity. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna go bad, let's get throw a few 0 and threes in there. This consistent level of one and twos, quite frankly, is unacceptable. My approach is, if you're gonna do something, do it to the hilt. If you're gonna be bad, let's be bad. I'm tired of the one and twos. Your thoughts? Well, you know what? You might as well do it. <laughs> do it the way that uh, Kevin the Swamp Rat Haran did it. Who one year? <laughs> yep. Kevin the Swamp Rat Haran picked at 55 percent almost every single year that we did it. Yep. Except one particular year, he was below thirty percent. That was that. That was about as good as as you could do it. Coach. Yeah. In other words, have have a bunch of good years, and when you have your bad year, do it in style. Yeah. He he would he would go one and two or zero oh and three every yeah. single week. It, yeah. He took it so personally. Seriously, yeah. he did. He hated Friday. Yeah. He absolutely. He was like, "Here's my pick. I'm done." <laughs> done. They would be they would be horrible, coach. Let that be a lesson to all the betters out there. Do it with style. Style points do come. If you're going to lose and, and you know winning now two and one, winning slowly but surely is probably the best way. You don't want to win. Too many three and O's can be bad for you, big dog. You get overconfident. You start betting. You know how it goes. You head downhill. But on the losing side, if you're going to lose, lose with style. By the way, Kevin the Swamp Rat Haran, our old radio producer, he still plays uh, beat the schmoes with the gang here on the season against the spread dog. Nine. And four, he's having one of those years. Oh, very good. Very good. You need to let me know what he's taking then, because I'll, I'll use those. <laughs> That's what I need to tell I, need I to have. don't know, but he has developed a relationship with um, Texas Ranger manager Ron Washington. That's all I can tell you. Was he part of the intervention? <laughs> or was he just part of the vention? I think he's part of the vention. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll uh, talk a little more baseball, but we'll venture off to start previewing a couple of great college football games coming up. Our beloved bowl about to play in the Hawks. Blackhawks at Vancouver tonight. Or, I'm sorry, Vancouver at the UC tonight, Big Dog. I know you're excited about Vancouver Canuck hockey. Amen. Amen or Yaman? Last night. <laughs> did you see what Vancouver did last night, Coach? Yeah, they lost, what, like 6-2? to two? They had a player go up into the stands and grab a, a fan after he pushed a referee. So any of our fans that are behind the penalty box or the bench tonight might want to uh, be a little careful. You might want to wear goalie equipment. All right, we'll take a quick break. Big Dog and the Coach, back at you in about 41 seconds. Don't go anywhere. TalkZone.com. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com welcome back big dog and the coach at your service second half of this uh, one hour extra 
extravaganza, and I use that word in the loosest sense of the word. Big Dog, you ready for my Confucius thought for the day? I can always use it, Coach. Confucius thought for the day. He who has clear conscience usually has very bad memory. That makes a that makes Thank a you. very 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 profound statement. Coach. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the hockey fight last night. I always enjoy it. Well, my favorite fights are when mascots get into it. My second favorite is when players go up in the stands and get into a fight with hopefully an obnoxious fan. That's when it, you don't want them to pick out a nice guy. But if it's an obnoxious fan fighting a player, I always enjoy that. Exactly well, what happened. It was really difficult to see what the fan was doing, but he couldn't have said too much because the guy was just walking by and he just turned and like grabbed the fan. Okay, but luckily one of his teammates was able to restrain him before he did anything stupid. Mm-hmm. I really wish I knew his name. His name was like Rochelle or something like that for the Vancouver Canucks. But last night uh, a bunch of fights started, and uh, like a referee went to go break up one of his fights, and he like kind of like threw the referee down. It wasn't like he attacked the referee. I just want to get that straight. It, uh-huh. And then when he was going into the when he was going to the locker room, he grabbed a fan by his like jersey and started like shaking him. Okay, so <laughs> it wasn't behind the penalty box. It wasn't behind it was, the it bench. Was, it was right behind the penalty box, okay. right where the players go down into the dressing room. Okay, interesting. Did the fan so, go after the player too? Did he throw any punches? No, the guy was like a, like fourteen years old. Oh my goodness. That's not good. He was with his dad. That's not good. He went after a kid? A teenager? Okay, coach, you gotta, you, you'll eventually see the tape. Okay. The kid is uh, he's anywhere between 14 and 17 years old. Okay. He isn't shaven. i tell you that much. <laughs> All right. Well, that same very same Vancouver Canuck team uh, coming into the United Center tonight, taking on our Chicago Blackhawks. So we'll see how that goes. Hawks started off with, what, a couple of losses. Their record up to 4-2-1. and one. So the defending champs have turned... Things around. I hit the panic button early, Big Dog, but apparently uh, all is well in Blackhawk land. Yeah, no reason to hit the panic button in October or November yep. or December or January when it comes to hockey, by the way. As long as you can be one of the top eight teams in your conference, you have a shot to win the Stanley Cup. Way to make every each and every regular season game exciting. Thank you for that comment. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> and my, I'm watching uh, a playoff baseball the other day, and my buddy comes flying down. Like, oh, I can't believe it's going into the Hawks game, and then, like he's calling me like a jerk because I'm not watching the Hawks. I'm like, there's a playoff baseball game on, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little more important to me than. I can, I can see if Joel game. was in charge of marketing for the Blackhawks, I can see the T-shirts would be one goal, and underneath it would be eighth place, and then in parentheses or better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, coach. No, you're not with me. I don't agree with that particular concept, but uh, I understand what you're saying. Come November, I'll be all Blackhawks all the time. Yeah. Let me finish these baseball playoffs. I mean, how many times are we going to get Tim Lincecum yeah. versus Roy Halligan? I'm with Roy you Halliday. on that. I'm with you on that. You're right. You're, our sports concentration can only be focused on a couple of things. And right now, hockey and the uh, the I, NHL and the NBA are not first and foremost. No question. And I got a remote control. It's not like I wasn't. It was not like I totally neglected the Blackhawks. Yep. So uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. I know you're spending a lot of time concentrating on your electoral considerations too so you've got the baseball playoffs your football picks the football weekend and you're studying all the political candidate a tough time for a guy like yourself yeah and i have to find a job eh, that's a distant fourth just well, actually huh? number uno but well, it tends to be like number eight on the list i'm kidding of course and by the way i got a i saw this article in the paper on the weekend david i don't know if you 
saw this or not, a political candidate, what the heck's he running for, a Green Party candidate, big dog, running for the Chicago, no, gubernatorial candidate. His name is Rich Whitney, Green Party candidate for governor of Illinois. Rich Whitney, true story, not a joke, honest mistake. They left out the N on his name for the ballot, so he is now listed as Rich Whitey. That's that's absolutely wrong. (laughs) You think that'll increase his number of votes? Sadly, it might, with some people, that might earn him a vote. Or it might, or other people might just be like, I'm over him. Uh -uh." (laughs) Can you (laughs) oh, Pat Quinn, Bill Brady, or Rich Whitey? Oh, goodness. By the way, this weekend I was watching the NFL Red Zone Network, and I heard another name. That, uh, that, like, you know what, if you're a parent and you have a, like, kind of like a, a last name that might be a word mm-hmm. in the English language, you gotta be careful what you call your name. I mean, what, what you name your child. Yep. Okay, excuse me. And, um, basically there's a, there's a defensive back and his, his last name is Cox and his, his parents decided to call him Parrish. Yeah, that's not so good. No, no, you don't do that to your kid. That's no good. What is it? K-O-C-H? Like Mayor Ed Cox? Yeah. Ed Koch? No, no, it's like Cox, like C-O-X, but still. Oh, C-O-S. It doesn't sound beautiful when it rolls yeah. off the tongue, if you know what I'm saying. I got you. I got you. I read some article in the paper today where it was quoted uh, uh, a Mrs., and the last name was Woodcock. And I thought to myself, I don't even know this person, but I thought she must have truly been in love with her husband to take on a last name like that. Yes, absolutely, Coach. Yes, thank you very much. All right, moving right along. The funny thing was, uh, (laughs) she—it's actually her maiden name, and she wouldn't change it. No, I hope that would not be the case. (laughs) (laughs) The the original name is Bumgarner. (laughs) Stop it! All right, Big Dog, let's uh, take a sneak peek, if we could, to the football weekend ahead. Football Friday coming up tomorrow. We'll start to preview, but there are. Two college football games that get your mouth watering even on a Wednesday morning at 10:37. One of them is undefeated Missouri taking on Oklahoma. We have taken for granted the greatness of Oklahoma this year. I think a lot of fans are, but they're a hell of a team. Missouri very quietly undefeated. That should be a classic battle, Big Doe. How do you see that one coming out? I, I got to tell you something. That Blaine Gippert, uh, the, the quarterback for Missouri, is yeah. really, really good. Gets rid of the ball real quick. He's got all types of weapons and. I, I got like I, the coach for Missouri. You know he makes a lot of stupid mistakes, but one thing he can do, coach, mm-hmm. is like, is play call and and and, and diagram. You know, an offense. I'm trying to think of his name. I can't Gar- think of it. Gary right. Pinkle. Yeah, the guy. We've had him on the show actually a few times. Like, I mean, the guy is actually a really good coach. That's going to be an excellent, excellent ball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I got to tell you, this Oklahoma's running game right now with the Meco uh, Murray is. Unbelievable, you know. And uh, this Landry kid, Landry Jones, he he can throw the ball. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. Mm-hmm. It's good. This game is going to be thirty-five thirty. Game is at Missouri, one of the more underrated programs, I think, in recent years. The Missouri Tiger football team—they haven't quite hit that next echelon. They beat Oklahoma this weekend. They're going to hit that point. But Gary Pinkle's done a heck of a job with that Missouri program. That's going to be a great. Great game, as is a Big Ten matchup, Big Dog, and I know you're aware of this one, Wisconsin. Fresh off their big victory over the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, they're taking on Iowa. Fresh off a big win over over uh, Michigan, Wisconsin at Iowa, an absolute classic. How do you see this one coming out? 
I see Iowa winning this game, Coach. It's a, it, it's really an emotional win that Wisconsin had this last week. I, I, I really like Iowa in this game. That's actually going to be one of my uh, beats mm-hmm. the Big fan of Kirk Ferentz. If I were a young kid right now, if I had a son who was not 89 pounds in high school as my son is, but could actually play some uh, high school football, and he was capable of playing in college, Kirk Ferentz would be that. And I don't know him that well, but the little bit I've seen him and heard about him, he'd be a guy, big dog, I'd want my kid playing for. Kirk for a very professional, very solid, doesn't get overly emotional on the sidelines. I like him. He's done a great job with the Iowa program. You know, they're not number one, but they're consistently good. Having said all that, watching Wisconsin play Ohio State last week, I don't know. I'm picking the Badger on the road. Well, that's, uh, well, well, we'll see. We will definitely see. I saw an extremely emotional Wisconsin team yep. that was that basically rode a wave of emotion to a victory. Well, that, that's cheapening things a little bit. You think I saw an emotional team, but I saw a hell of a good team too. Well, I tell you what, they're making flat out. You know, and this is this is normally my style of team that I'm talking about, Coach. So it's funny that you know you're the one taking the taking the side of the power running team who does it the old fashioned way by punching people in the mouth over and over mm-hmm. and over again you know and then throw it over the top so uh i i, I i'm not knocking wisconsin whatsoever i, I just I, I i think this is iowa's ball game for me but that's just the feeling i've had all week all right but again I, wisconsin a lot more than emotion they got a huge offensive line they got uh Two, two big-time running backs, one an All-American, one an All-American to be. Veteran quarterback who can throw the ball, Nick Toon, a couple of decent receivers. And, and you, and you keep telling country. me they got the best tight end in the country. And we have the two games I've watched, he hasn't been much of a factor, at least catching what? the ball. What? Wasn't a factor. Against, Every single running play went behind number 84, I, Lance Kendricks, on, I on, said, on, against Ohio State. I he said, was blowing people away on Saturday. I was talking about receiving the ball, not blocking. Well, look, I'm okay. talking about what a tight end is supposed so to you, do, and that is dominate the line of scrimmage. And and by the way, he was, up until the week before, the number one tight end in the country receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last, the last two games, he has the, what do you call it, the, the Michigan State game. Yep. And the Ohio State game, he didn't have a lot of catches. But up until then, and and by the way, I didn't even know he was leading the country in receiving yards until uh, a couple of, like before the last game. Because I, to me, he's just so dominant on the line of scrimmage. That's what I was impressed with that in receiving mm-hmm. skill. So all right, so but I see I may change your pick before it's over. So how do you how do you bet against a Wisconsin team? The two great running back, a great offensive line. I'm not going to say all American receivers, but some pretty good receivers. A great Tight end, their defense is pretty good. By the way, one guy I've fallen in love with, my new man crush, if you will, if I can have uh-huh. a man crush on a, a college senior, Wisconsin defensive end, J.J., is it Hap? Watt. J.J. Watt. Love that guy. Yeah, it's funny. You like uh, you like Watt. I like uh, Valai. You know, they're, they're strong safety. Uh-huh. He flies around. He punishes people. They've, they've got a fun defense to watch, Coach. There's no question about that. Yeah, J.J. Watt, though, if you're an old-school football guy who just likes a guy that just loves to play football and just doggedly gets after it every play, he's a big ugly in the middle. But, boy, does he play hard. Yes, he does. Mm. Absolutely. He he keeps coming. He's one of those high-motor guys is mm-hmm. the best way to describe ah, him. Beautiful. And I'm not even going to ask for your prediction, but I got a few. Big Dog is going to tease me. He's going to get me looking forward to it. I got a feeling the dog is going to take my cat in an upset over the Michigan State 
Spartans. But don't give me your final pick till Friday, Big Dog. I know it's a big challenge for Northwestern. Well, they're they're eight and a half point underdogs, and I, I do think that's a lot. That, that, that's an awful lot of points. Those are two really big games going mm-hmm. on in the Big Ten, and uh, you give Pat Fitzgerald two weeks to prepare for a team. People come into to Ryan Field. They uh, teams tend to get bored. They get lulled to sleep in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, Northwestern's got a you know a seventeen point lead in the fourth quarter. Okay. So. Little sneak peek ahead of the college football weekends. Your thoughts, by the way, on the rankings? I forget the BCS. I'm not into that yet. But the uh, college polls, the UPI polls, press and coaches voting. Uh, what do we got? Oregon one, Boise State two, TCU three, Auburn is five. Who am I missing in the four spot? Um, Oklahoma coach. Yeah. So what do you think of that as your top five? Deserve it? Or no, no, no. Excuse me. Auburn is number no. four. Okay. Auburn four, Oklahoma five. Oklahoma's like seven, and LSU's number six. Nah, I don't know about that. Oklahoma's seven? It's, 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 it depends. It's all over the place mm-hmm. in there. But Oklahoma, who's number one in the BCS, is a little bit further down in the in – the, I have no problem with uh, with Oregon being number one or Boise State number two. I, I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, all that stuff is going to change dramatically over the next couple – over the next two, three weeks. Legitimately, the only thing that isn't going to change is Boise State's mm-hmm. going to be sitting there yep. at one or two during the whole entire time. Unless if uh, if Auburn wins all these unbelievable games that they have coming up, they should shoot up to number one. What a game! What a game they had against Arkansas. What was it? 65 to forty-three. Yeah. And the weird thing was, for the first three quarters of the game, it was a tight ball game, back and forth, right? Uh huh. Each team were taking the lead, or at least uh, you know Arkansas would always respond to Auburn. They were down a point, down a couple of points, and then Auburn just went nuts in the fourth quarter. Highest scoring game, SEC history, big dog, or recent history? Yeah, the highest scoring. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, in regulation game oh. in SEC history uh, that you know didn't need any overtime in order to get to it. And that is saying a lot because we're talking the highest scoring conference. Over many many years, so that that says a lot when you say that stat. I, I would say the I would say the they're definitely not the, the Pac-10 is the highest scoring conference coach. The the SEC is known for their 1917 games where bodies are screwed all over the field. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think the I, Southeast I, Conference I'm is one hundred percent right about that. The the SEC is the defensive conference coach. I don't know if it's one hundred percent right. It might be about eighty-two point five percent right. I might over exaggerated, but I would question your authority, even though you are. The authority on college football, I'll question your authority and say, no, the Southeast Conference is known for offense first, defense second. No, absolutely not. Absolutely are you, not. Are you questioning LSU, my authority? LSU, defensive team. Auburn, defensive team. Alabama, defensive team. Florida, up until uh, before Urban Meyer, they were a defensive team. South Carolina, defensive team. Tennessee, defensive team. All of them, defensive team. Well, are we talking this year or, or history? I'm talking slash... the last 20 years, uh, the last 20, 50 years. Come on now. You are now questioning my authority of, of my questioning your authority. I will tell you this. Before the game started, I told you Arkansas couldn't tackle. And, and I, you probably started believing me in the middle of the yeah. fourth quarter of that game. By the way, did you watch the game? Uh, no, for the most okay. part. Okay. Uh, Ryan Mallett uh, got a concussion in the yep. middle of the second quarter. So I'm like, oh, this game is over with. And then the backup came in. And I am telling you this right now, the backup, Rain Wilson of the Arkansas Razorbacks, is on the same caliber, the same plane 
as Ryan Mallett. The kid has a freaking cannon. He was totally poised. He was a, a leader of men. One of the best quarterbacks in the country happens to be the backup to Ryan Mallett at Arkansas. I'm not kidding you. Well, Vern Lundquist and whoever else, I forget who else, is Gary Danielson doing the game? Gary Danielson straight and said straight up, he's like, that is one of the greatest arms I've ever seen on a college quarterback. What year is he? Uh, he is, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely going to find out because I'm going to, uh, I'm, I was going to look that up today. I mean, the kid has got a rocket coach. If he starts for the Arkansas Razorbacks this week, they're going to, they'll end up getting like five extra points because Mallet will be out. And mm-hmm. if I was a betting man, I would take it. Yeah, I can't speak for the backup quarterback because uh, I haven't seen him. Although I have heard his name, I want to say he transferred from like another school. I know Ryan Mallet did too, but I can tell you this: the Arkansas yeah. Razorback, they're more than just Ryan Mallet. They are a very, very good football team. No, no, no. They're a very, yep. very good offensive team. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're right about that. They're exciting, Coach. They've got they've got receivers, tight ends, running backs. They're, they, they're good on offense. Tackling is overrated, Big Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to a little transition topic here. And, again, thanks for joining us. Two guys and a mic. Big Dog and the coach. We talked baseball playoffs earlier. Chicago fans just tuning in. We talked about the hiring of Mike Quade. Happy to revisit it with you. If you uh, want to bring up any uh, of those baseball topics, we can do that at 888-463-6748. Whatever you want to talk about, we are right here for you. Big Dog and the coach at your service. But uh, that makes a nice transition, Big Dog, into the NFL. And the story midweek is not so much on the games here, but it's on the rules, the contact, the injuries. I want your thoughts on it. We had some vicious hits over the weekend. You know the NFL has, uh, well, they're not making changes to rules, but they're fining harder, and they're making more emphasis now on the illegal hits. Going too far, or do you think it's a long time coming? Okay, then uh, this is it's such a touchy subject, Coach. I do not want to seem wishy-washy. So let me start this right out. The NFL better lay down exactly what they mean by what they don't want, okay? Because, first of all, as a guy who played football, sometimes helmet-to-helmet contact happens, and guys should not be fined for that. You know, a running back comes through the hole, you're a linebacker, you meet him in the hole, it's helmet-to-helmet contact. If people get fined for that, well, then you know what? I'm going to quit watching football. But what Brandon Merriweather did to Todd Heath, on Sunday, do you know what I'm talking about? I have not Todd seen it yet. But, the, yep. Todd Heap has fallen to the ground, and Brandon Merriweather had all day to size him up. You know, he's running up to the guy. Todd Heap has fallen down. You have all day to – you have him lined up, and you just launch your body headfirst into his head. See, that – that's obvious to me. That was, He could have totally avoided that. And then, like, the Jerome Harrison ones, i got to admit, he was just playing football, and it happened to be Hamilton with contact. And then with uh, the other one that everybody's talking about, the concussion with Deshaun Jackson, Dante Robinson led with his head, but he led with his head into Deshaun Jackson's chest. And it was kind of like, and and I said it on Monday, it was the first thing I said, and it's funny as everybody else was talking about it, and I was like, if Dante Robinson, if Deshaun Jackson realizes that he shouldn't be running through a zone, you're supposed to sit down and show your numbers, and catch the ball and not run through it, you won't get decapitated. So it's, 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 my point is I don't want people getting fined just for helmet-to-helmet or devastating hits, as they're called, Coach. It, it has to be, I, I would have to say, legitimately, legitimately malicious, and the guy should could have been able to avoid the helmet-to-helmet. Okay. If you can't avoid it, it's not your fault. I mean, all of a sudden, just like I love Clint Portis, a running back, who last year's season ended on a concussion, 
is talking about how dumb this rule sounds as of now. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I mean, how are you supposed to tackle people? Well, just like grab onto them and, and try to drag the guy down? Some of the uh, old school players, some of the uh, ex NFL players, old school guys. I'm watching right now some of the hits, by the way, some of the replays. Um, well, watch the Brandon Merriweather on Heat hit. I'm seeing the James Harrison one right now. That's pretty violent too. But big dog. Some of the old school guys are saying that uh, they, the coaches don't teach tackling anymore. A lot of these injuries could be avoided if players went back to wrap using the shoulder pads, wrapping guys up, and tackling old fashioned style. You, you, you know, coach. That's an excellent, excellent point. It's so funny. It's like I was not talking about the old school guys. They're all t- no, no. It's do it, you know what you're supposed to tackle? Because I, I was taught to tackle on many different levels, and the way you tackle, you know, you don't even tackle with the shoulder because then you can like you can get neck damage and stuff with that. You're supposed to wrap up and hit with your sternum. Do you know what I mean? With your yeah, head up, so you see exactly mm-hmm. where you're going. Your back bowed, your shoulders back, and when you run. You wrap up and you hit your chest mm-hmm. into the other person's chest. You pop your hips, you wrap, and you 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 bring the guy to the ground. Mm-hmm. That's the way you're supposed to hit. And nowadays, I mean, it's just like you're right. They just come flying in. They go helmet to helmet. They don't even try to wrap up yeah, a lot. Well, of I just saw a replay of all the hits, and and, and the worst was Merriweather's. But I could I could fairly safely say all of those deserve to be fined. And, and we're I'm not, I, yeah, well, that's just my particular opinion. Here's the way I look at. It. See if you're with me on here now. We're going to bring referees' judgment into it. It's always a little bit dangerous, but I think good referees aren't afraid to have a little judgment. My theory on it is that even if it's technically legal, okay, when you give a hard hit and just blow somebody up, that's wrong. That should not be done if you can make the play a more fundamental way. If the only way to make the play, or there was no intention, is the hard hit, then that's different. I, there's a fine line there. I don't know if you didn't get what I'm talking about here. but Let me give you a specific way. One of the more famous ones, what was it, five, six, seven, eight years ago, Chad Clifton, offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. There was an interception away from the ball. He's not even looking. The play is still going on. He's away from the return. And I forget who it was. It was Warren Sapp, right? It was absolutely Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp comes up and levels him from the blind side, rips up his knees. Now, here's an example of what I'm talking about. No, no, it wasn't his knee. He separated his hip. It was bad. Chad Clifton was out for a year. But here's what I'm talking about, Big Dog, is that legal play, yes. Should Chad Clifton have been looking around and be aware? Absolutely. Just like you're talking about the receiver coming over the middle. But the point is Warren Sapp could have done his football play. He could have kept Chad Clifton out of the play by simply squaring his shoulders and blocking him. He didn't have to drive at the knee from the blind side. So he didn't that's drive a, at the knee. He hit him perfectly. Get but, it right. But from the blind side. That way it was not cheap. It, well, that, it was. That, you picked the wrong one. No, I don't think you I did. You picked the wrong one to bring up to me. No, and you I, described it wrong. He hit him perfectly up top. He hit him at the shoulder level. Okay, coach. He didn't drive, he didn't hit him in the knee. And by the way, that's what's going to happen now. If people are afraid to helmet-to-helmet contact, mm-hmm. you're going to see defensive players 
go at people's knees, and all of a sudden ACL injuries are going to start going up. Yeah, That's but he, exactly he, what's going to happen. But he drilled him, and he yes, did it from the blind beautiful. side. It wasn't beautiful. It was cheap. It was a great hit. It was all cheap. All Chad Clifton has to do is play football. He was jogging, wasn't even hustling after the play. All he Warren Sapp, like that. All Warren Sapp had to do was play football and keep him out of the play. Didn't yeah, no, Warren Sapp was playing football. No. Chad Clifton well, wasn't. That's Chad Clifton different. wasn't hustling. If Chad Clifton was hustling, Warren Sapp would have never had the angle on him. No argument Chad there. Clifton, big fat ass, who had been cutting Warren Sapp all day long and playing cheap, would decide it all. I couldn't. I can't catch that little DB with the interception, so I'm going to jog after him. And guess yeah. what? Warren Sapp got his retribution, and it was a clean hit. All right. He didn't lead with the helmet. All he did was hit him as hard mm-hmm. as he possibly could, his yeah. shoulder into Clifton's side. He hit him so hard, Clifton flipped, yeah. and it separated his hip from his leg. Well, your latter part is right, but it absolutely was not a clean hit in my particular opinion. Clifton... And I got to tell you something, Coach. I did that all playing tight end. Yeah. I played to the whistle every single play. Yeah, well, playing, well career, playing, playing to, to the, the whistle, whistle and taking cheap shots are two different things. Well, that, and if that, I was reffing... You would have hated me because every single play right. I did something like that to people. If I, was reffing, play, if I was reffing and you were playing, I would have flagged your ass. I don't care if you were a future radio sports talk host. I, I, I no can't excuse. even tell you. Is, uh, like, legitimately, if you were not hustling and mm-hmm. I was on the field, I was yeah. going to put my helmet underneath your chin. No, no excuse for that. Block the well, guy, well, I, get I him out of the play, make sure. How I played. Huh? I tell you one thing, my teammates and my coaching staff love me, and I was an all-conference player four years in college. Right. So I am not going to. I'm not no. going to there. can never yeah. justify somebody injuring another just because it's quote-unquote legal. Well, well, what do you mean? You're hitting him you as hard as you know, can I when they can't even see. I've seen this battle before. Uh. Warren Sapp got cut blocked by Chad Clifton from the side about 10 times that game. Well, but that, that's okay, Coach, because you didn't see it on television, so you're upset because never, you saw what Warren Sapp did and a bunch of other soft SOBs got upset. Because Chad Clifton got hurt. I never said I mean, the cut box. ridiculous. I mean, look at the whole thing. Chad Clifton's one of the cheapest players in all of football. You know, basically, you know, the post and shot move. They did that to Warren Sapp like 10 times that game. I'm not justifying the cut blocks, but what I am telling you is the individual hit on Chad Clifton was a cheap, unnecessary shot. That's no, what I'm telling you. it was not cheap. It was legal. Uh, next time I see you, big, uh, next time I see you, I may bring a uh, penalty play. I may go chop block on you next time. Well, I guarantee you try to chop block me, I will head and hit you, and you will be concussed. Yeah. You just better play through the whistle and keep your head on a swivel, my friend, because uh, I may come after you. You'd bounce right off and you'd be <laughs> We'll do it again tomorrow, folks. We've got to ramp it up. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Dog and a coach. Back at you tomorrow.